0: Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time, Lord. We're excited to dig into 1 Peter. We're blessed and honored that we could even be here and have our Bibles on our laps, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would just continue to direct us this morning and that everything that's said and done will be a blessing in your eyes, Lord, and that we would reflect you. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn to 1 Peter 1, please, and let's begin with verse 1. So Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And we discussed verse 1 last time we met in detail as we did our overview of this book as a whole. So if you want to get that message, it's easy and it's short to listen to online. It's just 12 minutes long. And so you can just go under calvaryqueencreek.org, under um, media and you'll find it. So it's, it's pretty easy, message and media. So as we go through 1 Peter, we're going to see Peter was a man who was forever transformed by his relationship with Jesus Christ. We mentioned that last time. 1 Peter is a book of hope amidst suffering and persecution. He spoke of hope even though he was well aware of his probable death by martyrdom. And so our desire is that we would be encouraged and filled with hope as we will be challenged by Peter as we study his words. Peter's writing to those believers, pilgrims, who do not see this place as their home. They lived in a constant awareness of their true home. And so that's our encouragement. We need to do the same. Peter wrote this to the strangers scattered throughout these areas listed in verse 1 in the region of Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey. He called them scattered because of the persecution brought on by Nero. Nero had his troops set Rome on fire. The Christians got blamed for it, and because of persecution, they had to leave Rome, whether they were Jew or Gentile believers. And I think many times as pilgrims passing through, we are less focused on the destination and more focused on the journey. And our author in our workbook stated, oh, how the flesh wants to dig its footing into the world and call it home. So easy just to get caught up in the most Stupid things like my haircut, I don't like it. <laughs> it's just bugging me. I, I went and got a haircut, and I'm like, why don't I look like I want to look? You know, we get caught up in these silly things, and then you're doing your hair and you're like, ah, and it's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's not eternal at all. So I'm just letting you know I can go there. So, verse two elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. So besides the important fact that we see the Trinity in this verse, this is a power-packed verse with definitions that are worth repeating and understanding to clearly get the context. So we're going to take this verse apart piece by piece. And I want you to know that I have contacted the authors of this book because I know people can um, be concerned that They're not in line with the Calvary Chapel doctrine, but they are. Um, We believe in uh, the Bible, obviously, and our doctrine quickly. We believe, according to the scriptures, that one, everyone has free will and an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. And secondly, we believe that once you have received Christ as your Savior, you are sealed until the day of redemption. That's in Ephesians 4.30. So until he comes to take you home, however that may look for each one of us. And now people fall away. There's, that's a big topic. But those are the two basics that I want you to keep in mind as we go through this. So we're going to start with the words in First Peter 1, verse 2, elect. And that word means "chosen by God to obtain salvation through Christ." Christians are called the chosen or elect of God. And so how are we chosen? The next part of the verse says, "According to the foreknowledge of God," meaning forethought or pre-arrangement. And the only other time that we see that word foreknowledge" in the word is in Acts 2:23. And it says him, meaning Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. So how do we reconcile these words being chosen to obtain salvation by the forethought or prearrangement of God with the verses that tell us clearly the gospel is all inclusive and all can come to Christ. What we do is we believe them all. We do not pick and choose They blend together in a beautiful harmony, knowing God is all-knowing. Before we were even a twinkle in our parents' eyes, he knew us and loved us. And that's the balance that Calvary Chapel takes. Calvinism says you are either chosen or not, and you have no choice. Arminianism says you can lose your salvation, never really knowing at Any given moment, whether you are saved or not. And so we believe in the beautiful harmony of all the God breathed verses. And so we're going to look at a few of them. And if you want to take notes, it's we're going to go through quickly. John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. First John 5, 12, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when you look up those words, that's exactly what they mean. Any and all mean just what you think they mean. 1 Timothy 2.4, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And John 3.16, which you all probably know very well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And each, whoever means each, every, any, all, everyone. So, yes, we have free will. And you choose, and then you are chosen. You complete the transaction by your free will, just as Adam and Eve had free will. The response is our responsibility. So the bottom line is we must remember we are dealing with an infinite God, and we are finite. We must trust and believe his word, all of it. And so still in verse 2, in sanctification of the spirit is the next phrase, and that's consecration, purification, or holiness. And it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's ongoing. It's a process that we're going through now. We're constantly being sanctified as we look to Jesus. Um, Then it says, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience, as an essential result of election, being chosen and choosing God, is sanctification and obedience. There should be evidence in a believer's life of sanctification or holiness being set apart And obedience. And this does not give us a better position in Christ. And so this is key. Because you are obedient, because you are being sanctified, doesn't mean that your position is better because you're not saved by your works. But it matures us by the work of the Holy Spirit. You are not more saved or keeping your salvation. The work was done, but you are growing in holiness and maturity. And it's your choice. And as we go on in the verse, and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. This verse has so much in it. Since all believers fall short of perfect sanctification and obedience, there is cleansing from sin provided for us through the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I say, thank you, Jesus, to that because we need it. And that verse ends with grace to you and peace. Be multiplied. Peter brought a greeting that had become common among the Christians, combining elements from the Greek culture, grace, and the Jewish culture, peace. And our workbook had us take a second look at the word multiplied. We can never put a limit on God's grace and peace, it's inexhaustible, it's limitless, and what a comfort that is. Let's go to 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is my favorite verse in this section, focusing on that living hope. Just like when you get crazy about your hair what eternal value does it have? Zero. And you have to remind yourself of those things. So first we see that mercy is also multiplied. It's abundant, meaning in excess more than we can fathom. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. We deserve death. We deserve punishment, but God's great mercy has made a way for us to eternal life. Daily, if we observe our own lives, we can see his mercy on our lives. If we just pay attention to our thought life, to our actions, our reactions, you're going to see that we have mercy upon our lives. He has begotten us or made us born again to a living hope. So that's living is active, blessed, endless in the kingdom of God. That hope is joyful and confident expectation of our eternal salvation. And here's a great place to put our thoughts, our folk, our focus, our hope is living. Peter urges his readers to focus on his abundant mercy and the fact that we are born again to a living hope. And this focus can help us experience some of the glory of heaven in the midst of suffering right now. And I think we're seeing some of this played out in our world right now as we see people losing jobs and different things happening, um, we need to apply this to our own lives daily. We need to hold on to hope. And why do we have that hope? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Hope is refreshing because it is stable. Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. So an anchor is reliable or a principal support, it's a mainstay, it's a safeguard. I'm going to read you a couple of verses on hope. Psalm 31:24, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart all you who hope in the Lord. And so when we get our hope back on the Lord, we can be strengthened. When we're off, we don't feel strengthened. Psalm 33:18, behold the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope in his mercy. Psalm 33:22 Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you. And so we want God's mercy, definitely, and we want to look to hope. We need to keep looking at our real home and get our eyes off of this world. And in these next verses, we're going to see what that end result and hope are described as. My pages are stuck. There we go. 1 Peter 1, verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So we get an inheritance because we are an heir, not necessarily because we deserve it. Romans eight seventeen. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So that inheritance is incorruptible. That means it's not liable to corruption or decay. We are corruptible. Things are corruptible. Our world is corrupting daily, morally and physically. That inheritance is undefiled. That means it's unsoiled. So many things decay in our lives. The house needs to be painted. The doors and baseboards get beat up inside constantly. You get it all I did the baseboards during COVID when it first started, and I did you know painted them all, and they look so nice, and then the grandkids come in and it's over. They're all nicked up again, they're doing their hoverboard and hitting everything. Everything decays. It just doesn't stay the way we would like it to. Uh, the, you know, the couches wear out. And then the grandkids may ask, why are you throwing that out, like our microwave? Yeah, I said, well, it's old. It doesn't work anymore. Um, and I find myself saying, it's old a lot. Um, why doesn't that work anymore? It's old. Why did you get a new chair? The other one was old and worn out. <laughs> And then I say, Grammy can't run as fast. You're old, Grammy. And <laughs> Grammy needs a rest because you're old. So I'm thinking I might get thrown out too. So we got to be careful what we say. You realize that we say it so flippantly. It's old like it's useless now. Not necessarily true. So I just find myself saying that. Isaiah forty, seven through 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower Fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And in our next lesson in 1 Peter 1 24 through 25, we're going to see that very same verse, which was quoted from Isaiah. Hebrews 13 8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Colossians one twenty three. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So the hope is in the word of God and in Jesus. But suffice to say, everything fades, ourselves included. And so I have some pictures, because I was having a conversation with a friend, and she said, you know, I never like a picture of myself Until I look back a couple years, and I'm like, oh, I looked pretty good. You know, we never like it now, So, but we look back. And so I have some pictures of then and now. This is Mary Tyler Moore. I don't know if you guys know her, but I, you know, we used to watch her. Look how beautiful. And then she got old. Even with plastic surgery, she got old, right? Everything fades. And then I have a picture of Andy Griffith, because I like Andy Griffith. I used to watch it. I still watch it. And then there's a picture of him old. I mean, it just happens, right? There's nothing we're going to be able to do about it. We could fight it, but it's going to happen. And then I've got Maureen O'Hara. She's in, she was in uh, Miracle on 34th Street, and I always thought she was so beautiful. And then I looked her up, and she's still beautiful, but old, right? And she probably had things done too. But there's nothing you can do to stop it, so we do corrupt. And then I have a picture of us. See, we were young. Look at that. That was 30 years ago. I know isn't that cute? But now And now you know what we look like. So we that's that's it. So anyways, no matter how much we fight it, we will grow old, right? But heaven does not fade. It does not grow old. It is undefiled, not soiled in any way and incorruptible. It does not Decay. And as our verse says, it is reserved in heaven for us. And I love reservations. I think they're awesome. We were just on that trip for three weeks, and we made reservations ahead of time along the way, and you have a picture of what you're going to see. And so, this one that I was really excited about was in Idaho, and I had the picture. They had a five star rating, it was out in the middle of nowhere, and I thought, oh, that's going to be so cool. So, uh, we pull in, and I'm like, this is the address. But the whole patio was a mess. It just wasn't at all like the picture. And I said to Jim, I said, I don't understand this. She had five-star ratings. He goes, oh, she was probably rated by her uncle or something. <laughs> <laughs> he just takes it in stride. And I'm like, all right. And so we walk in, and, and she was nice enough and everything. Um, but, you know, we, she said, if you want to put anything in the refrigerator, you know, feel free. So we put some salsa in there. And her refrigerator wasn't that clean, and I was like... You know, and so then she took us up to our room which was really nice and clean. I was super thankful. But she said to us, "I'm famous for my huckleberry pancakes." And we're like, "Oh, cool." I'm like so excited. I'm like huckleberry pancakes. So we we get up in the morning and I'm smelling all this stuff and I just see lard in every oh. container. Everything is lard. And so when she gave us the huckleberry pancake, it was lard. And then there were two strips of bacon that were very much with lard and so we ate it you know I gave Jim my bacon and I finished the pancake and then we had two more mornings there and we're like we're heading out early we we gotta go hike we'll we'll just don't worry about breakfast so but you know it's we you know we paid for it I almost cried because I was like gosh we paid for this and I had different expectations but in heaven A perfect heavenly reservation is waiting for us that's going to be off the charts. We didn't even pay for it, and we won't be disappointed with that reservation. What we read about, it will be all that and more, and it will be beyond what we could ever think. It's a living hope. And so it's just amazing when you think about that. I just started getting excited going, that's going to be the greatest thing. That reservation will be fulfilled someday and we won't be disappointed. 1 Peter one 5 let let's go there. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So who's the who that are kept? It's us. Thankfully, we are kept by God's power. His work in our lives, and it's not by works, as Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us. So we are kept by God's power. We see in these last few verses that we just discussed so much of what God has done for us. He has chosen us. He has given us abundant mercy. He has given us a living hope. He has given us an inheritance, and he has kept us. Wow. That's a great list. So we are blessed. First Peter 1.6, "...in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ." And so I read these two statements um, in regards to trials. One, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. And so God's got it. We have to remember that. Uh, secondly, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. It's always easy to praise the Lord when things are going good. Like, oh, yeah, God is good and everything's great. So, but at the time of testing, in the purifying of gold, the dross is drawn off and the precious gold appears. And so... We have to go through testing many times. And when we need some encouragement on our faith, we usually reach out to someone who has been there before us, someone who has been tested, someone with a genuine faith, someone who's real, not phony, not pretentious, someone who's the real deal. Whether that's in parenting or family issues, whether it's health issues or job situations, Um, we usually want to find somebody with a good attitude who came out with hope and a smile on their face with Jesus alongside of them, someone with genuine faith. And when I went through cancer, I wanted to talk to those gals who got through it, who endured it and knew it would be hard, but could give me tips that would help me through, but mostly would pray with me and you know, tell me the Lord's going to see you through this. And that's what I needed uh, when I was in those dark places. And then we can give praise and honor and glory to the Lord after we get through that. That's what it's all about. Our faith is revealed through trials to teach us to bring glory to him alone. We may even more learn. So the value of Peter's letter Uh, when persecution comes in a more severe or different way than maybe we've ever experienced. Maybe it won't be just health or jobs. It may be deeper than that. And so we need to be ready. We're not going to go through the Great Tribulation. We know that because that's God's wrath. But we, we could be appointed to man's wrath. We don't know. There are many brothers and sisters in the world today that are experiencing man's wrath and losing their lives for the gospel. And so we have to be ready for whatever might come our way. And the question is, are we ready? So this book, I think, will help us be ready. And may all we go through be for the praise and glory of the Lord as we meet him when he returns. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. I'm not going to read it, but it tells us that the outward is perishing, just as we saw, but the inward is being renewed day by day. And so that is our living hope. 1 Peter 1, 8, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. The word translated joy inexpressible occurs only here in the New Testament, and it describes a joy so profound as to be beyond the power of words to express. So that is our living hope. It can bring us joy inexpressible. And so when we talk about heaven, we, we can't even scratch the surface because it's beyond what we could express. 1 Peter 1.9, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So we have not seen him but we love him deeply and the end of our faith at the end of the line is our salvation. When we are redeemed and we get the prize. And Ephesians 430 tells us that we are sealed until that day of redemption. We are his purchased possession. Ephesians 114 in the New Living Translation says the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. And so we have the living hope, and hopefully we have the genuine faith. 1 Peter 1.10. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what? or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. And that's a mouthful. So I went to the New Living Translation because... To me, it was a lot, and I read it in the New Living Translation, which helped. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about. So even though they're prophesying it, they didn't know when it was going to play out. When he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. And so we live in a unique time, the suffering and the resurrection of Christ in the past but we can look back on that, and the glory of Christ when He returns, which we can look forward to. And Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 you guys could read those on your own these chapters foretell the sufferings of the Messiah, which we can now look back on. Ephesians 3:10 through 11 says, "To the intent." that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purposes which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I read this quote, It is as if a great drama is being enacted. History is the theater, the world is the stage, and the church members in every land are the actors. God himself has written the play, and he directs and produces it. Act by act, scene by scene, the story continues to unfold. But who are the audience, the principalities and powers in the heavenly places? That's kind of cool. I thought that was neat. So they're watching how all of this is going to unfold, all that was foretold and how it's going to play out. And much has happened for them to see. However, much more is coming upon this world soon. And so that takes us back to our focus which is our living hope, because we all know, I mean, if you're watching any amount of news, and I'm not saying you should watch a lot of it, we know things are changing rapidly. And so we have to keep our focus on our living hope, because we don't know what's ahead. Um, But we don't find our hope in our bodies, definitely, they fade. We don't find them in our homes, they get beat up. Our jobs, they can disappear. Even our church, I mean, Your church body will disappoint you. I will disappoint you. I hurt someone's feelings this past Sunday. I mean, it happens. We're just human. And so we uh, will fail you. Your families will definitely fail you. But our Savior, the resurrected Jesus Christ, will not fail us. And so may we focus on that living hope, and may we have that genuine faith as we move forward in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and we praise you for our living hope. We are so blessed that we are pilgrims passing through and we have a focus that we can look to even when the world crowds in on us on silly things and even important things that we think are so monumental, Lord. We can look to you, our living hope, and we're thankful for that, Lord. Help us to have that genuine faith that others can see in our lives that we are going to turn to the word no matter what happens. We're going to trust in the word, and we're going to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.